born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Parents really think they've got the tiger by the tail until their kids become junior high. And then those junior high kids will teach their parents, there's a lot you don't know about raising kids. Because I've had people say, boy, when I get me some kids, my kids are not going to grow up and act like that. All right, and then that time comes. And their kids act just like that. And then they don't say nothing because they can't make them mind because if they try to correct them, the kids will throw a tantrum right in front of everybody. And so they're embarrassed. And so they just don't say anything. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> I've been in a restaurant one time and this year family was sitting there and they had about three or four kids. I mean, they were, they were destroying the restaurant. I mean, there was food every place. I mean, it was like a, you know, it was just terrible and noisy, loud. And I wanted just to reach over there and get a hold of a couple of those kids, but I didn't. And this one little kid, he looked around and looked, he, he saw me looking right at him. <laughs> and he looked right at me. And yeah! Nobody heard me, but that kid did. And the parents thought they heard something, but they weren't sure what it was. And that kid looked back at me, and he didn't say a word. He just stared at me. And that kid said in his mind, no man ever spoke like that before. I better shut up and sit down. I was on a plane one time. <laughs> the little kid up there. I'm sitting there. And I'm saying, I just want peace and quiet. You know, the Bible talks about peace and righteous. I was doing right, and I ought to have peace. And um, but that kid was irritating me to no end. So he was done, and he turned around. And he saw me. And, yeah! It's amazing how that would be so effective, because see, the parents sometimes they let the kids get away with murder. You ever seen some kids like that? You ever seen parents do that? You did that, huh? No, no. But um, this is what uh, he wrote. Because of the way that people are today, uh, some people believe that because you believe in salvation by grace, that you're just giving people a license to sin. Well, you can't get permission to sin. Uh, that's, that's not in the Bible. It's not taught. Like God says, okay, it's okay for you to sin today. Great. <laughs> no, he doesn't give you permission. There's a, you, you're free to make choices, but you're not permitted to do the wrong thing without consequences. There's consequences. Anyway, he says, I recently heard, again, the old cliche that we're not under the law, but grace. I fear that this mentality is often a cover-up for those who love the world and the things of the world. This is my impression. I am considered a legalist by many which I interpret to be a criticism of the standards and principles I preach and live by, and by which I evaluate or judge. 
the lives of professing Christians. It is an unhappy day in Christendom, for the image of the church is badly tarnished, and the world stands amused. Dear friends, it is a time for repentance and weeping, for in many instances the glory of the Lord hath departed. I really didn't say anything wrong with what he had to say there. But isn't it true that majority of churches, you would say, that ungodly people are going to church, but after church they live an ungodly life and it doesn't honor the Lord. And this is just to soothe their conscience and make them feel better, put a little salve on the sore, and uh, then the rest of the week, well, I paid my dues, I went to church. Now the other six days, those are mine. But I gave God his time on, on Sunday. And then they have no godliness in them. And so that is a, a shame. In the um, book of Romans 6, and it says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? And then these two words, God forbid. Just because we're not under the law, doesn't mean that we should not live a godly life. Shall we live in sin? Like I've had people say, you know, well, we're not under the law. And I, I agree with that. But they'll use that if there's something that they don't want to do that is under the law. For example, like, you know, giving or tithing or something like that there. I get criticized an awful lot about that. But that, that's perfectly fine. People can choose to do whatever they want. I just tell people why I do what I do. And if it's um, robbing God under the law, well, the last thing I want to do is rob God because I'm supposed to learn something from Okay, what can I learn from that verse? I learned that I don't want to rob God. Well, that's under the law. Well, they were doing that before the law was ever given. I never saw where God took it away. It's just a good principle how to give. But isn't it also under the law, thou shalt not commit adultery? Okay, since we're not under the law, it's okay now. Would, it, would I be right? Thou shalt not steal. Well, that was under the law. It's okay to steal now. You know, the verse in the Bible that says, uh, steal no more. It says in the book of Ephesians that, you know, you're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to lie. Well, under the law, I guess that's okay now because we're not under the law. No, it doesn't justify. Christ did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. Do you know that if we love the Lord and live the way God wants us to, you can fulfill the law, but not for our righteousness. That's just still a standard of righteousness. That's what we use to show people that they're lost, that they can't save themselves by their works. But it doesn't mean the principles of the teachings in the Bible that they're all gone now. No, you still got to, as a child of God, we should uh, do what's right. Even in the book of Romans in chapter 8 says the righteousness is fulfilled in us but not by us. Now, he goes on to say this. We live in an unbelievably lawless society. In many inner cities, the lawless criminal element controls entire neighborhoods where citizens fear for their lives and property. In some instances, the police are hesitant to enter crime-ridden public housing. It is a grim picture we are appalled and dismayed at such lawlessness and yearn for the days when decency and civility prevailed. 
Is it a shame whenever you see all the things that are happening on some of the campuses? What's going on in some of the inner cities where people are just, I mean, they're, they're just killing each other. Especially up there like in Chicago. And all the people that have been killed. And you stop and think about the riots that they try to foment, the, the, the atmosphere of, of rebellion. And it's just teaching rebellion in every form. The laws that they're trying to get passed about, you know, on homosexuality or abortion and uh, breaking down of the home, the families, all the things that are happening uh, is because of S-I-N, because of sin. Well, if, if you change the law and you don't make that sin, then, then that's not sin because you're just obeying the law. So they want to change the law to justify the sin. So that's not sinful. And now they've coming out where Google is going to be, and I just read this yesterday, uh, they got certain words that it will pick up if you are saying something that's toxic, you know, that uh, really causes uh, ill feelings in people's lives. So that you can't, if you say this or you say this and they're trying to find, and most of the things that they, Google will pick out are things from the Bible. Things from the Bible is going to be very offensive and therefore, you put things up there of what the Bible says, and then uh, you may be totally eliminated from having your things on YouTube or on the Internet at all. And they can just take it all off. They've been wanting to do this even on radio and on television. In other words, censor anyone who teaches contrary to what they want to do in their agenda, which is to bring down our society and everything's going to be, you know, Lawful. So to pass laws, that's why they want to have people in Congress that will pass laws because of the way they want to live. So generally you accept a theology based upon your morality. And so whenever you don't have any morality, you don't want no theology. So anyway, that's a little bit about how it goes. He goes on and makes this statement. He says, as alarming as this is, even more distressing is the fact that a spirit of lawlessness has found its way into the body of Christ. Because you stop and think. The way the world is and the things that they show on radio and television and so on. Believers, they hear that six days a week. They come to church and they may get 45 minutes to an hour of a message. Now... We often say, you know, the parents can have their children at home, but they send them to the public school, and they have them for five days, all day long. Now, who's going to have the biggest influence upon those kids? The parents, who they see for a few hours, or the teachers in the classrooms that has them for six, seven hours a day, five days a week? Who has the greatest influence? Well, I take my kids to Sunday school in church or something like that. Yeah, one hour against all those hours? which has the greater impact. So you have a damage that's been done to our society. And because the world has a humanistic philosophy, and so they don't look to the Lord, don't trust the Lord, and so, lo and behold, they don't make decisions based upon Scripture or biblical principles. But to come to church, and if the preacher was to preach on something that is right out of the book, 
but because they've heard the other side for so long, they begin to develop that attitude that this is acceptable, and there's nothing wrong with this, there's nothing wrong with this. Then they jump all over the preacher because, well, I disagree with him. He just believed that old-fashioned Bible. Well, if we're not going to believe the Bible, we ought to just take the thing, throw it in the trash can, go live our lives. So is the Bible going to be able to give us all this strength that we need to combat all the ills of society? Who is influencing who? Are they influencing the church or is the church influencing the world? How do you see it going? Because even when you talk about the, uh, the chain of command, the, the, the power structure that God lays down, or even how to raise kids or how to teach or to discipline. Remember years ago when a child was disobedient, a parent would normally take a, a paddle and spank their kid, right? Did you ever get any of those blessings? And you didn't die. You might have thought you was going to die, but you didn't die. But now you spank a child and leave a mark, what's going to happen to you? You're going to jail. Or they may take your kids from you. You can lose everything that you've got. Because we, society doesn't agree with what the Bible teaches. And there's individual Christians who go to church and says, well, they don't believe it. It doesn't matter what the Bible says because they have adapted a humanistic philosophy. So that's what they accept. Now, they, then they come to church with that humanistic philosophy, and they may trust Christ as their Savior. But their thinking has not been revolutionized. They have not repented, changed their mind about a lot of the things that they still think and believe. And so that's why they have a trouble in their discipline and yielding to the authority of a church or the Word of God, giving like they should, living like they should, thinking like they should. So there is a negativity in God's people. It shouldn't be, but that's the way it is. He goes on to say, standards and principles of conduct, which were once in the hallmark of the church, are now abandoned and even scorned by many. This has come about for a number of reasons, among them being that the leadership, pastors, in many instances, fail to challenge such conduct, and in fact, are often blameworthy themselves. As one consequence, worldliness often governs the lives of members. In our face of our Lord's admonition to deny oneself, self-indulgence seems to be the practice of many. Whatever makes them happy, do whatever they want to do. This is why you can't get people to accept certain spiritual responsibilities. They, they want to be faithful. They just do whatever they want to do when they want to do it. And... Um, you just be thankful that I'm here. But if you say you ought to do this or you ought to do that, well, it's either you do this or I leave and I go to some other church where I feel comfortable. They don't want any pressure of any kind. Am I lying to you or telling you the truth? You know I'm telling you the truth. But you don't need what I'm saying right now. Maybe somebody watching does. Who knows? He goes on to say this. In justifying such conduct, the above verses are frequently quoted. They often hear those who dismiss 
what once were considered godly standards, seeking to defend their conduct by repeating, we're not under the law, we're under grace. As though because we're under grace, it means that you can just live how you please, and it doesn't matter. You can live as you please, but it matters. I want every child of God to live as holy, as godly as they possibly can. I just always straight not to get to heaven. But because we want people to go to heaven, we don't want to do things in our life that would cause people not to believe the message that we're preaching. And you want God's people to be blessed. You want them to have peace. You want them to be happy. So you, you don't want people just to live in sin, to live an ungodly life. But see, people take out and say, well, Yankee just wants people to, to live any way they want. Not, not, nobody's ever heard me say that. But if you want to serve the Lord, you know, live the way you want if you want to serve the Lord. But I want people to understand, if you don't want to serve the Lord, you're still a child of God, but God's going to have to chasten you. You ever hear me say that? To discipline you, correct you, maybe take you home before your time. All that is true. In other words, in so doing, they reveal their shallow understanding of Scripture. For the same text requires, shall we sin because we're not under the law? The response is, God forbid. Which is an issue, at issue, is the basic upon which men are saved. And in this sense, we're not under the law as we read elsewhere. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So we use the law. We don't do away with that. We use that to convince people that they're sinners and need a Savior. Thus, those who repeat that we are not under the law often misapply the text to cover their conduct or misconduct. There is an even greater matter involved here, which is, Have we no moral compass, no standards of conduct? Are there no biblical principles which govern the life of God's people? We answer, indeed there are. The lawlessness practiced in reality is a testimony of biblical ignorance and indifference. It is evidence of willful disobedience to the word of God, which has alarming consequences, namely, and that servant which knew the Lord's will, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Now that's not, he's going to beat the tar out of you when you get to heaven. God chastens you while you're here. When you knew what to do and you choose not to do it, is there a consequence? Yes, there's consequences. Even when we have the Lord's Supper. Remember, there's a verse in there that we read every week. And for this cause, many are sick, some are weak, and some are dead. That's consequences of not walking in obedience to the Lord. This lawless spirit, which is so common among professing Christians, leads me to say, and hear me well, the majority of professing Christians and church members are probably not Christians at all. And that is a possibility. That some people who go to church may never have really even trusted Christ as their Savior. Is that possible? That a lot of people who profess to be Christians. If you had asked me when I was 18, am I a Christian? I probably would have told you, yes, I am. I'm not Chinese. I was born in America. America is a Christian country. I must be a Christian, therefore. But that's about as far as I could go on that. 
From all appearances, churches are populated with worldlings who neither know nor prefer God's will. And so this is something that every one of us needs to be aware of. And I always want people to examine themselves, check themselves. And uh, what was interesting, yesterday I was at this park where I, I walk you know, a couple miles every night. And so I sitting there and this guy was there and a couple other guys, but they got up and they left, but he was still sitting there. Sitting there and I said, where are you from? Because he had an accent. I said, you speak Spanish. He said, I'm from Cuba. He said, I've been to Cuba. I've been here from Cuba uh, about two years. And he was talking fairly well. well I could understand him. And, um, but before the other guy left, he was, another guy was standing there, and uh, two women got up and they, they walked away. And so I asked him, I said, well, um, where are you going when you die? He said, I'm a Christian. Oh, that sells everything. I mean, he's a Christian. So I asked him, I says, um, can you tell me how do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, he, he kind of stammered. He couldn't explain very well. So I explained it to him. And I said, now you understand what I'm saying? He said, yes. I said, it makes sense. Yes. I said, where are you going tonight? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. I said, how do you know? Christ paid for all my sin. He says, uh, hold it just a minute. The other guy, he says, and I, and I watched him, and he told the other guy, and he was explaining it to him. And uh, he says, I think he understands it now. Because <laughs> the guy, was, he spoke Spanish, but he couldn't speak no English at all, hardly. And, but he could. And so he told me, he said, wait, 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 wait. And then he wound up talking to the other guy and explained it to him. And the guy says that he understood. So I, I guess he did. I mean, I've never had anybody lead somebody else to the Lord that fast. But you never know. Anyway, our time is almost up. But I want you to go back there to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. See, the apostle Paul did preach salvation by grace. He explained it over and over again that no man is saved by his works. You're not saved by the law. But he does want God's people to serve the Lord and to do what's right. So in chapter 20, you'll notice the statement that he made that he kept back nothing that was profitable for them. Look in verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Now, this is to the believer. So it's one thing to lead a person to Christ. Now give them the things that they need to be profitable in their life. You want every Christian to profit, to gain. Whatever it is God wants you to attain, that's what Paul was after. And then you'll notice that he made this statement. He says there in uh, verse 27, he says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now, this is in the book of Acts. This is uh, not having all the New Testament books, but all that Paul knew and all the Old Testament scriptures that he knew. He taught all that he knew. And he gave them, thus saith the Lord. Now, some people don't like to use the Old Testament. They don't want to study anything about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they say, well, that's all the law. It's the word of God. And all scripture is for us. Now, he makes a statement, for I have not shunned to declare unto you, and you ought to underline all the counsel of God. See, the word of God. Some people are so glad that they know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I can quote John three sixteen. Is that all the counsel of God? Is that all of it? I think it's a little bit more than that. Is it just the New Testament? Is that all the counsel of God? 
Or wouldn't you include the Old Testament too? The law, the Psalms, and the prophets. I think it includes all of it. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. These things have I written unto you that believe. So if you're a believer, then it's written to believers. So God wants all of his children to know to study his word. And we will stop right there. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. It's all the bad things that we do. But God says that um, he loves us. He hates our sin. Because we committed the sin, we have to pay for it. And that is eternal separation from God. So since everybody sins, everybody's in the same boat. We're all condemned. We're all guilty. So there's nothing that a man can do to make himself pure, to make himself perfect. It's impossible. But heaven, see, heaven is perfect. God is perfect. To live forever with the Lord, you've got to be perfect. Well, where you aren't. So how are we going to get there? God says, um, your sins won't let you in. I can't let you in because of that. Plus, you've got a payment to make, and that's eternal separation from God in hell. So we don't, it don't look very good for us. God says it's impossible for a man to save himself. Christ, this hand representing Christ, God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates what we do wrong because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put the payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what he did. See, there's no tricks to that. There's no gimmicks to it. It's a gift. It's totally free. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and God gave me eternal life. When I explained this the other day at the funeral, even with the joke, there's about 10 or 12 that trusted Christ as Savior. Because, you see, there's, there's power in this message. And when they hear it, and you don't know where you're going to die, and you hear it for the first time, you mean I can go to heaven when I die? Mean that I don't have to promise anything, stop anything? Just like I am, I can accept Christ as my Savior, and he'll give me eternal life, and I get to go to heaven? That's true. You say, well, what if I do something wrong tomorrow? Huh, you will. It's paid. What if I do something really bad? paid. Is what if I do something right before I die? It's paid. How many of your sins did he pay for? All of them. They're all paid. There won't be one sin for you to pay for. You see, you say, you don't deserve it. I know. Nobody deserves it. That's why he says, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just talk to the Lord? See, you don't make a mistake this way. Only the true and living God can know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. I can't read your mind. But I do want you to trust the Lord. I want you to go to heaven when you die. So right now, if what I said made sense, you say, I want to go to heaven, and I believe Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God said if you would believe that he did it for you, he would save you and give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. 
So with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone at all say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior this morning, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Remember, there's no gimmick to it, no tricks. Over and done with when you make that decision. Anyone at all? Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us, for the study of your word. Bless each one in Christ's name. Amen. Would take my place. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.